Hi, everyone. Thank you so much for coming tonight. This is the second in our Digi Debate series. Um, thank you so much to our sponsors, Shoreditch House, um, for their investment in this evening. Um, just a little bit of a preamble so you know who we are, why we're here. Um, the Digital Fairy is a like youth communications studio and creative consultancy, and influencer marketing is at the heart of what we do. We have a division called the Network Fairy, which unsurprisingly does influencer networks. And um, we work with clients... Um, on an influencer level like Disney, uh, Adidas, Unilever. Um, and my name is Livy. I'm the strategist, and I'm going to be chairing tonight's discussion. Uh, as you all know, um, we are here to debate the motion, this house believes we have hit peak influencer, a controversial, deliberately controversial uh, proposition. Um, social media stars are everywhere from Coachella to Chernobyl. They are spawning everything from bikinis to cleaning, and one in five children in the UK wants to be an influencer when they grow up, which is either like terrifying and dystopian or um, amazing and a really, really good thing for your, for your brand or your company. Um, even good old X Factor isn't immune to the influencer effect. I spent my Saturday night at X Factor Celebrity. It was, it was crazy. Um, so has social media celebrity reached its peak or is this just the tip of the influencer iceberg? We're going to find out tonight from some amazing, amazing panellists. Um, because this is an influencer event, I feel compelled to tell you what the social handles are tonight. Um, so if you want to follow uh, the action or contribute your opinion uh, digitally, you can find the Digital Fairy on the Instagram handle at the Digi Fairy, and uh, Twitter is at the Digi Fairies because I think the Digi Fairy on Twitter is held by a twelve-year-old girl somewhere. We can't get it off her. Um, and so on there, you can find um, also the handles of all the speakers as well. So essentially, the reason why we're doing a, a debate tonight and not a panel is because. Um, as an agency, we had been going to so many panel discussions, as I'm sure everyone else here does, um, week on week, and they had fantastic lineups. The topics were really interesting, but it kind of felt like we were getting to a stage where everyone was agreeing with each other. The amount of times people were saying, like, yeah, I'd just love to echo that point kind of was getting a little bit too much. So what we wanted was uh, to kind of break out of this, like, rhetorical echo chamber and do something a bit different um, host something that where it felt like you could encourage both sides to kind of get their hands dirty, play the devil's advocate, and really like deconstruct and get to the bottom of an issue without people feeling um, like they were attacking each other or without feeling beholden to any kind of commercial um, relationships that they had. So that's the aim of this. It's it's a rhetorical debate to kind of um, really unpack this issue. And um, without wishing to say the T word, obviously in the current kind of um, social political climate, it's ever more important to break out of our echo chambers and uh, hear two sides equally. So um, that's that's the idea tonight. Um, so the evening format will be, um, I will eventually shut up and um, give over to the two sides um, who will read uh, some prepared speeches where they're going to lay out exactly why they believe um, we have or haven't hit peak influencer. And uh, after they've kind of uh, made their case, we'll then invite uh, each side to kind of pick apart each other's side and um, they can kind of deconstruct di and disagree. And then having done that, we'll then throw it open to you guys, which is where I need everyone to uh, do their bit and um, come with your own opinions and your own um, disagreements uh, and kind of give it over to these guys and they'll do their best to defend their side. And then um, we will have a vote. Um, so who has a foam finger hand thing? 
on their thing. Okay, right, so no, 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 put them down, 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 down. <laughs> because uh, what we're going to do is we're going to do a pre-vote to see whether you guys are for or against the motion. And then we'll do it again at the end of the debate and you have to then cast again and we'll see whether you have, whether your minds have been changed by the debate tonight or whether you really could have just stayed at home. Um, so <laughs> I obviously can't see anything because it's really bright up here. But we've got loads of digi-fairies around the room. So if you... Um, believe that we have hit peak influencer can you please stick your either foam hand or real hand up in the air and hold it up there um, while the fairies come around and count the votes stick your hands up if you believe we have hit peak influencer lots of people from the my own agency putting their hands up a bit worrying <laughs> come on guys <laughs> okay um shout when the votes have been counted Oh, no, no, we shouldn't have put the dyslexic girl on the counting. <laughs> no, it's fine. We trust you, Emily. We trust you, Emily. Yeah, yeah, I know she might have her own agenda. Just don't know. Okay, cool. Um, right, so now if you do not agree, if you think we haven't hit peak influencer, if you think this is just the beginning, stick your hands up in the air. Oh, my God, that is loads of people. Okay, and I'll leave that up there while... Leave them up while... No, no, I saw you put your hand down. Keep it up there. Keep it up there. They're counting, they're counting. No, you don't count. You, you know, you've been invited to speak. You don't count. Um, okay, cool. Shout when that's done and you've got an idea. Ooh, it's like an election recount. It's so exciting. Okay. <laughs> the people's vote. Okay, fab. Okay, cool. So, um, yeah, we'll do this again at the end and see if any of you have been swayed by this. So, okay, I'm so delighted now to announce the panel here tonight. So, speaking for the motion, firstly, um, on my far right, we have Akash, um, who started his career at 22 as the youngest manager of Estee Lauder, working his way up to senior global digital manager for Dior <laughs> Perfumes. He built Dior's influencer strategy, generated more than $50 billion $50 million in earned media revenue and tripled growth in influencer sales while at the company. He was listed in this year's Forbes 30 Under 30 and he's recently launched his own enterprise, Akash Brands and Agency. And he is himself an influencer with over 290,000 followers on Instagram. So that's Akash. We also have with us Mercedes, um, who is a creative strategist by day and an entrepreneur by night. Um, Mercedes is a truly multi-hyphenate creative across the fashion, music, and social media spaces. From the rapid growth of her own personal Instagram, which acts as a platform to showcase her streetwear style, to establishing Social Fixed, which is a LinkedIn for black creatives, um, and DJing herself. Um, she's previously worked at Adidas and Google, and she's now represented by Summer, which some of you may know is, the leading, is a leading global influencer marketing agency. And she's worked with brands including Instagram, Giorgio Armani, and Mercedes-Benz, which is obviously the perfect influencer brand <laughs> partnership. <laughs> um, so then on my left, speaking against the motion, who believe we have not hit peak influencer, I have first Irene Moore. Irene is a brand strategist and the creator of PR for Beauty Bosses. Oh, sign me up. Um, previously head of digital communications at L'Oreal, she's helped launch some of the biggest influencer brands in beauty, um, like NYX Cosmetics, Kat Von D, um, and she consults for brands uh, like Fru, Cantu Beauty, and Dior. Um, she's an OG beauty PR turned business coach, and she has been enlisted by global companies like Virgin Startup, Bespoke, Twitter, and even Instagram itself to share her insights on the role that influencers play in the future of PR and branded content. 
And then we have Marina. So before taking her current post as joint head of fashion and beauty partnership at youth media platform Kyra TV, Marina worked in partnerships at Sony Music and Polydor Records. She spent her career structuring relationships between talent and brands, helping innovate traditional sponsorship into an arm of, of Ooh, sorry, into an arm of strategic marketing. For those who uh, maybe aren't as familiar with um, with Kyra, essentially they run social-first streetwear entertainment shows that are really, really embedded within influencer culture, and they have a cult following amongst Gen Z audiences. So if you don't know, find a young person in your life and ask them, say the word Kyra, and they will know exactly what you're talking about. Okay, cool. So we're now going to open this debate with speeches, so I'm going to do one from each side, and then we will um, we will kind of kick off. So... Mercedes, would you like to go first? Oh, okay. <laughs> Hi, my name is Mercedes Benson, and I am arguing that we have hit peak influencer. Okay, so can anybody actually define to me what an actual influencer is? Anyone? They don't have microphones. This is quite hard. I know. <laughs> Dramatic pause. Okay, I'll wait. <laughs> um, you say it's somebody who is able to make an impact in people's lives, yet we place narcissistic models and selfie queens as frontrunners for global campaigns. They say influencers are content creators. Well, if that's the case, name me the most innovating campaign you can think of that doesn't involve highlighters, contours, and exquisite travel destinations that the average person couldn't actually afford. The real influencers aren't going viral for meme videos. The real influencers are the creatives, the directors, the social activists who are exciting real change in real life. And unfortunately, we are to place... Wait, hold on. If we are to place it... If we were to place it into your we can't work with anybody with less than 100k followers vertical, they might not necessarily make the cut. Kanye West, for example, is one of the most influential sneaker designers in this current age, yet he doesn't even have an Instagram. Ariana Renee had over 2 million followers and she couldn't even sell 36 T-shirts to reach her production line. That's the equivalent of getting my family to buy a T-shirt at Christmas dinner. Where are her real friends? And for these reasons, I firmly believe we have hit peak influencer. Thank you. Thank you. Can we have a round of applause for that? Thank you so much. Okay, to counter it. Come on, Marina, okay. off you go. Yeah. Oh. That was so good. <laughs> Nearly made me change my mind. We like it to be supportive, but also at the same time, very critical. No, it's great. <laughs> um, influencers are individuals able to sway the opinions and behaviours of others. Whether you'd prefer to call them creators, digital talent, or another synonym, it bears no effect on the legitimate ability for said individuals to influence those that trust them. My name is Marina, and I'll be arguing against the motion that we have hit the peak of influencer marketing. And to be really clear, I'm not arguing for slimming teas and tooth whitener. I'm arguing that the ever-changing consumption habits of young consumers that are representing more and more of a significant size of economic spend will lead brands to continue investing in influencer marketing as an important tool in their digital arsenal. My first point is follow the money. For the first time ever in 2019, digital is accounting for more than half of the world's global advertising budget. This paradigm shift has been happening in the sectors most relevant to social platforms, namely fashion and beauty, for years, with marketing budgets weighing heavier and heavier, not just as digital spend, but as social spend. 
This change has come about because of where audience are now dwelling. YouTube is the biggest website on the planet with 2 billion active users monthly. Instagram is half of this at 1 billion monthly active users. And TikTok, sitting as the most downloaded app for the fifth consecutive quarter, has the same user base as IG at only a fraction of its lifespan. Because these are the platforms where audience are spending their time. These are the platforms where commercial brands will be focusing their budget and tapping into micro communities to lay their brand storytelling and sell products. For brands, leaning on influencers with an affiliated audience is an effective way to play in the intersection between engagement and trust in an environment where without an existing relationship with the consumer, you will not cut through. My second point is evolution. We're embryonic in the lifespan of influencer marketing as a tactic in digital. We're only beginning to graduate out of the wild west of digital to transform the sector into, into one that is more considered, better measured and longer term in its campaigns and approaches. Influencer marketing is yet to mature and come into its own, let alone reach and pass its peak. Which is connected to my third point. If we look at the most powerful individuals on socials and what they've managed to achieve through these platforms, it gives us a window into the future of the space and its wider possibilities. The most successful individuals in the world, outside of those running companies that shape our everyday lives at Amazon, Google, Apple, and the Facebook companies, have harnessed social platforms to create lucrative global audiences. These audiences trust, listen, and consume to such an extent that they have become multi-million dollar revenue streams and show no signs of wavering. Kylie Jenner's lip kits, Kim Kardashian's apps, beauty products, perfumes, and shapewear, Jaden Smith's Just Water, KSI and Logan Paul's second boxing match, Rihanna's Fenty Empire, James Charles's sisters. These are some of the biggest figures in the world utilizing the same platforms available to all of us and using them in a way that makes them the epicenter of their business models. My prediction for the space is that, the, is that influencers will, will be treated more and more as individual media channels over the coming years as audiences trust brands less and less and trust and relate to people more. As the space continues to evolve with more ambition, better analytics and measurement and more sophisticated campaigns, I see the sector of digital marketing evolving massively, which makes me firmly believe we have not hit the peak, of in, the peak in this sector. That was really difficult, actually. Thanks. Thanks. Fab, okay, Akash, take it away. So my name is Akash Mehta, um, and I am tonight arguing for the motion that we have hit peak influencer. So um, having worked three years in um, influencer marketing at Dior, there's a reason why I left to do influence marketing at Dior. So I'm going to do three examples from a brand perspective. Um, the first is, I call it influencer fee inflation. So what is influencer fee inflation? Well, for me, it's today. I think most of you would be in agreement to say, why is an influencer with 100K followers worth $1,000, let's say? There is no maths or no logic behind the cost that we put behind this because we don't really know what the worth is. And especially with vanity metrics like likes and impressions, which all can be bought and skewed as we know, we find it hard you know, as a brand to justify why we're spending X amount. And as an influencer, I actually stopped, um, as an influencer, but as someone who's branded as an influencer, I stopped doing paid partnerships because of an experience I personally had. So I used to charge around $2,000 for a photo and actually one brand, an agency actually, in between the brand and myself, um, asked me what was my rate and I said $2,000. 
And she said, but Akash, like, you're worth way more. I had way more budget saved for you. And I said, oh, thanks, but uh, okay. And she goes, no, 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 let's, I'll give you 10,000. Like, that's what I had. And I was like, um, okay. Uh, and you know what? I accepted it. And uh, I was like, this is great. Thank you so much. Um, and then actually, yeah, I felt quite guilty, but not that guilty because I had an extra 8K. But um, when I was working at that time for Ice Lord, I was like, no, no, this is wrong. So when I went to Dior, I made sure I was making sure that this was going to be corrected. And it was quite hard to really, really, truly correct. But um, it made me realize like most people who then would get given that 10K would say, oh, that's my new rate. I'm worth 10K for a photo. And that's what I call influencer fee inflation. So it takes one wrong brand or one wrong agency to overcharge and that's your new rate. Because why would you then charge under what you just got paid for your previous gig when you're increasing your followers, right? So that was something that kind of really inspired me. And during my time at Dior for the last three years, I've had it all. I've had people with like 20,000 followers charge me like a thousand euros for a story. I've had people, well, wanted to. I've had uh, people pay, like literally send money to post for Dior. And I'm like, why is there money in the post in my office? So um, I've had it all. But that really kind of made me realize, yeah, this influencer um, fee inflation thing, that's a big problem. Second is the lack of authenticity. So I think the most common thing we see from most influencers today, the, the influencers that we define as influencers, going back to Mercedes' point, um, is that they over-collaborate. You know, we see ad more than any other word on the influencer's feed and stories. And I think that really leads to like a lack of authenticity and... Um, Credibility, um, awareness for sure, but what's the impact of that awareness? And I think that's something that's very important because for me, influence is defined by how credible it is and how you know influenced I am, not how aware I am. Otherwise, I'll be called aware, awareers or something. So um, no, they're influencers. So. And my third point is the fake and an inactive following. So I've done a few talks recently and I've exposed my own Instagram. So I've developed a tool with you know, third-party companies in Dior where we vet all our influencers. So we see all the fake following, real following that we can publicly see from public profiles. Um, and we also can see the country location. And my account has like 50% inactive. So technically, I don't have 290,000 followers. I have like 150,000 followers. And I'm very open about that. And I'm very happy with that because I don't really care about the numbers number of followers, it's all changing. But unfortunately today, that's what we mainly go by. And I think going back to Mercedes' point, influencers should not be judged by vanity metrics like followers because it's all kind of skewed and potentially fake. So I think in that argument, those three points, especially from a branded point of view, have made us realize we've hit peak influencer from what we currently define influencers. Um, so that's what I strongly believe in. Thank you. And last but not least, go off. <clears throat> Good evening. Um, can I ask you a quick question? When was the last time you finished reading the internet? When was it? It's impossible. It's virtually impossible to reach peak influencer in a world of limitless content. It's impossible. So... Livy, I'm going to tell you what you said to me. Oh, no, Livy, no, no, I'm, going to, I'm, no, no, I'm exposing it. I'm exposing it. So when Livy approached me about this talk, she said, oh, I mean, we, <laughs> we really want you in this because you have a heritage view of influencers. Basically, I'm old, right? <laughs> so I'm, um, I'm 28. 
plus another 10 years. And um, this is the reality. When I first started in building brands, old school, when we used to place ads in Marie Claire, RIP, yeah, it was a different ball game. You could hit a peak because the select few, the journalists, the makeup artists, the people that were the creme de la creme were the ones that made those decisions. This is the reality now. When young people see hashtag spawn, hashtag ad, they're not stupid. They get it. This is their vocabulary. This is not something that we have grown into. You know, this is something that they are used to. They totally understand it. They, influencers are as credible as J-Lo swishing her hair saying she was worth it. She doesn't shop in boots. <laughs> you know, but we all knew that that was the case. We all knew she wasn't really buying that shampoo. What, and I agree certain points in terms of influence needs to be influenced, but actually influence really equals reach. It's still the brand's responsibility to influence them with great products and a great story. So that's the first thing. The second thing is we talk about engagement rates and I completely see that that's a big frustration for a lot of brands, but we have to know with every free platform, Facebook did it first, we used to build brands on Facebook pages. How many of you actually have a Facebook page now? Very few of us, right? So it's inevitable that Instagram was going to become a pay-to-play platform. That's nothing to do with the influencer. It's the algorithm, yeah? Because Instagram is owned by Facebook, which needs to make money. And my third point is, if we look at influencers themselves, they've totally wised up. What they're doing is creating their own brands. What they're doing is creating other platforms. They are not relying on things like Instagram and Facebook to be influential anymore. They're building email lists. They're creating experiences just the way that brands are. So whilst I appreciate that on Instagram, we may be getting a bit tired, for those three points, I believe that it's virtually impossible to hit peak influencer. Fab, thanks so much. Um, well done. Thank you to all the speakers actually for preparing a speech because the, when I said you need to prepare a speech, there was, there was mixed reaction. Um, I feel like I fantastic. took it really seriously. <laughs> <laughs> no, this was fab. This was really good. Um, okay, so does anyone have any points from each other's speech that you would immediately like to refute? Anyone got anything they're dying to say? Come on. Yeah, you do. I would say... First challenge of the night. Round of applause. Come on. First <laughs> challenge. <laughs> To your point, um, I do feel um, the J-Lo argument wasn't that valid because um, you were saying, for oh. example... I'm ready for you. Yeah. And, uh, yeah. and my father owns J-Lo fragrances. So I can, I can, uh, You've been I told. S- I can say this. No, I, I feel, um, for me, you were saying that, oh, it's not, if, you know, when she swishes her hair, everyone knows it's not real. Well then people should know that that's not authentic. And then, but then what's the positive angle of them? That why are they a good influencer then? Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, we, we chat now, we chat, we okay. argue. So the point is this. Just like with traditional advertising, influencers are there for reach. And I know this, they weren't even called influencers when I first started in this game. They were just girls doing cool things with their hair and their makeup online, right? So now they're called influencers, but the influencer is there for reach. And in reality, you know, JLo Fragrance is a collaboration, so I can understand that. But when she was a spokesperson for other people, people didn't genuinely believe that that was how her hair looked so amazing. But she was aspirational. 
You know, people wanted to get a little bite of her lifestyle. And I think we need to stop underestimating the intelligence of the audience. Like, people don't... I know Authentic's banded around, but people really do understand that at 17, you're not able to afford a holiday in the Seychelles. I think people understand that. That's why one in five people, want to, one in five children want to be influencers, because they know it's aspirational. So that's the point. It's not that she's fake, but the use of influencer is for reach. It is the brand's job to do the influencing. Do, do you... But I, I do feel... It's a brand's job to do the influence, but I feel like influencers, like I would think traditional media buy is reach, but I wouldn't say I would call an ad on the street an influencer, right? So there is a difference between a person on Instagram with credibility with an audience. Um, I think their job is also to do a bit more than just the reach, is to also do the influence, because I feel that's the person, right? It's, the brand can give the tools, but it's the influencer has to make it believable, because it's not... I would say a good brand gives the influencer full, full, reign. full reign and then it's their job to make it authentic, not just to provide an audience of a million followers because then I think they're no longer called influencers, they'll be called media buy, which they would hate to be called that, right? But that's what we're doing. We are, but I would say, but the cost of a media buy, for example, when I put an ad in Times Square, it's a much lower cost CPR, you know, a cost per impression than an influencer or a CP a like, cost per like or cost per you know, engagement, um, then so why am I paying, say, 10,000 euros for someone of 200,000 followers when actually 10,000 euros would go so much further on an ad? Because today? you're not... When you put an ad on Times Square, and this is one of the big bugbears I had at L'Oreal when I first started working with them, there's so much wastage when you put an ad for London Fashion Week on the side of a bus. Yeah, half the people in central London are, are tourists. They're not going to be here. Right, we're wearing rubbish clothes. Yeah, you know, or, or they, you know, they shop in Primark or wherever. Nothing wrong with it. In case someone wears for Primark, don't get triggered. Um, but it's, it's. I'm actually wearing Primark pants right now. Thank you. Don't much. get triggered. I told you. But just, that's the point. That the wastage is what. That, that's why the cost per impression is lower. When you speak to a girl, I work with um, an Afro hair brand, right? When I speak to a girl who has got that specific hair type that no one else has she is going to be influential and actually she does deserve to be paid that because she is speaking to my direct audience. And that's why the cost per impression is expensive. I'm not saying that the prices are, I think the prices are astronomical. I honestly think they're crazy, they're getting crazy. But the reality is you're speaking to the audience, you're getting the connection with your direct consumer. That's why. When you put an ad somewhere, it's wastage. That's my argument. I also don't, I don't think you can compare sort of traditional media and influencer marketing whatever you want to call it I think of comparing apples and oranges I think in the one sense you're right reaches what you are getting if you're putting if you're wrapping a bus or you're putting up posters or what have you I think when you're connecting with an influencer and for argument's sake let's say it's the right influencer with a powerful audience that's valuable to the brand you're getting sentiment you're getting advocacy you're getting all of these other things that you just and and all of those things you can also measure so they're connected into a platform that gives you full visibility of where those clicks are going Going, where like if anyone if you're you know swiping up if you're directing people to a link you know you can track all of that I think that's that's my biggest thing around you know digital like you can measure digital and I get you know why people are still doing tv ads sort of ish but you know if you do things on digital you can actually learn more from it um, so just to kind of throw this out there, why I feel influencer marketing has reached its peak is because for me, you know, you talk about influencers, influencers, um, 
But the word influencer is such a blanket term. Why don't you call people by what they do? If they are an artist, say that they're an artist. If they're a dancer, say that they're a dancer. So for me, I feel like the influencer marketing world is just quite wishy-washy. Just say that you're going to hire a particular person for, you know, the service that they require and you will reach that said audience. Why does everybody have to be under this blanket influencer term? And then secondly, the reason why I have a problem with influencer marketing is because at one point it was about having hundreds and thousands of followers, right? But now you lot are going back on yourself. Now you guys don't want to work with macro influencers because they're now celebrities. So now you want to work with micro influencers who have 10,000 followers, 5,000. So before you know it, you're just going to be working with everyday people. And then it's just going to be word of mouth. So where are you guys going? Are we going up? Are we going down? Sideways? God, I Can I, as an ordinary person, I can't wait for the day that brands pay me directly. 100%. And, and, oh, don't and, call it influencer marketing. Let's, let's just can call I, it word of mouth. That's all it is. We're well, just spreading well, it is the word. That. It's basically is that. If I can tackle those points kind of one by one. So if you go onto the usage of influencer as a term, I kind of feel like I hate the term influencer. I really do. It's kind of like the term... Uh, it feels really lazy, but there, there isn't anything better. So, so oh, I've agree. got some so, so, we, so here we are. Creators, yeah, yeah, but they're all the same thing. They're I mean, all the same but thing. They're not influencer marketing. But, but we're all <laughs> calling it the same thing. It's like it's an umbrella term for the same thing, if you know what I mean. Um, so I think I think we. I think generally as an industry, we need to stop like wincing at the term influencer and just embrace it. It's not going anywhere. And it's a really easy term to use. So I think we should all just get really comfortable with the term influencer. Everyone just say influencer. Say it, say it, say it. Say influencer really influencer, loud. Influencer, yeah. yeah, the taboo word is over. It's fine. Um, and, and I agree on, on the sort of, you know, everyone, you know, Brands were looking to partner with with individuals with a massive following, and then they were like, "Ah, no, micro influencers are the thing now," and they're looking for for sort of more authentic partnerships. But I think that's part of the evolution of the space. I think that's part of us learning. I think that's part of us graduating out of, you know, a platform. Particularly, I think Instagram actually held most of the brunt of it. You know, all of these brands didn't know what they were doing, just throwing money at people who would take it. Um, but I think that's part and parcel of learning and, and sort of all, everyone who's in the space kind of growing with it. So once Instagram removes likes, what happens then? Instagram is removing likes because influencers are getting too powerful and they want to they want brands to spend money on their platform directly. Don't let anyone try and tell you it's about mental health. It's not. It's about So then it's won't about money. it become advertising? It's not going to become influencer marketing. What do you mean? Well, if, influ- if Instagram is removing likes, now influencers don't necessarily have that... Metric. Metric to quantify how influential they are, unless obviously you're looking at the back data, but nobody cares about that. So then how are we going to measure the effect of influencer marketing? It will just become straight advertising because now brands are going to have to guarantee that whatever campaign they're doing with said influencer is going to reach a certain demographic or reach by force and not just organically because they can't measure how effective that organic reach will be once they start to remove certain metrics that every influencer relies on. 
So yeah. should we just call it advertising? Uh, and also, just really, I'm going to quickly, um, and also with, uh, obviously we're talking mainly about Instagram because this is where most of the influence marketing is going right now. Um, my last three years have been collecting clicks data from influencers. So this right here has pretty much every influencer's clicks on average, um, which is quite valuable data. Please um, get him drunk and get him to tell you. I can tell you who not to do and who to do <laughs> worldwide. Um, can you give us a list? <laughs> uh, I can charge. No, no, no. Um, but for example, I'm not going to name names, but um, an influencer with 1.4 million followers did, um, and we paid, no, I'm not going to say anything, uh, and uh, did 40 clicks, and an influencer with 100K followers did 3,000 clicks, but an influencer with 2 million followers did 10,000 clicks. So there is literally no, um, you know, rough, there's no, there's no trend, but what is for sure, I've never seen above like 10,000 clicks. I've never seen, like, I've never seen that much from a story swipe up. So if Instagram is removing likes, which in US is next week, um, and we, I wouldn't recommend, you know, screenshotting the story, either the insights, the brand, the like influencer can see the insights because you can Photoshop it, we all know. Um, and you can buy everything. You can buy uh, story views. The best way to see that is when you look at the influencers' stories and you see all the views are pretty much 50K, 50K, 49K, 48K. That's fake because uh, there should be a huge drop-off. Um, all this stuff I've seen over the last three years and it's what's really made me realize on average there's the most amazing 5% of these people who are fantastic. They will sell out your product in a second. But they're not influencers to me. They're like my brand advocates. They're my brand ambassadors. The 95%, honestly, like it's not worth the investment. I'm not. I'm seeing an average from big influencers around 300 clicks from a story. And if that's the next metric that we're going to be based on, the only thing that's visible to a brand from a trackable link, that's worrying from Instagram perspective. But we can't measure an industry based on the worst in class. Of course, in every industry, there's shitty people doing shitty work. But then there's also really great people doing really great work. So, you know, we definitely have a bit of a pollution in influence marketing. And, and that's, you know, I think everyone can see that from their own timelines. But I don't think that we can temperature gauge on the industry based on those people. Just to add to that as well, um, I think when people are talking about removing likes and all of that, that is for brands who are still using Instagram like it's 2013. Like, just putting something, a product in someone's hand and hoping it's going to sell is lazy marketing. Sorry, don't get triggered if that's what you're doing, right? Um, I don't want to get beaten up on the way out of Shoreditch House, but it's lazy, yeah? The brands, honestly, when, if, if I'm working with a brand, it's about creating experience for your customer. The end goal should not be the influencer. The end goal should be how can we generate enough excitement, enough love, or enough interest around a brand? How can we create an experience around our brand so that, you know, the girl that is following her gets to cuddle her favorite influence at our event? That's what you should be focused on. It should be focused on what are you doing for your end customer, not just how many likes did you get on that post? Because to be honest, who wants to even screenshot that? I don't want to do that for brands, you know? So it's thinking beyond, okay, I've got that on that, that one post and then... I'm off. I've done my job. That's lazy marketing. You've got to be thinking, how can I connect with my customer powerfully? You know, when we put things on like Nick's Face Awards or Cantu Curl Awards, it's about the end customer at the end of the day. The influencer helps spread the message, but the end result is not, I just want to put it in the influencer's hand. That's not going to build your brand. 
Do you see what I mean? So I think it's thinking about just as the industry is evolving, how do we need to evolve our approach to marketing as the people that are meant to be pioneering in marketing? We can't just be putting a lipstick in someone's hand and hoping it's going to sell out. That's, it's impossible. But do you think, like, I think the problem with, inf like with brands, like, firstly, as one, um, is timing. You know, we have tight deadlines. We have limited budget. Our main priority is making the presentation look good to our boss, and that's the reality. Um, but I, I do feel like because inf there is like thousands and thousands of influencers, it's unfortunately that pollution effect that's sort of caused this issue of influencers, you know, to be unfortunately like what we what you're saying is valid. It's what we define it as. It is kind of like what your first point was. It's reach, right? It's reach. It's like no, it's a quick reach. But I do feel like in that argument, we've hit peak influencer, but we haven't hit the peak idea of influencers. It's the rebranding, as I said, like that 5% is my brand advocates. They're my brand ambassadors. They are influencers, but they're not influencers a la marketing. They are my, my, my brand babies, you know, who really do, whether they have 10,000 followers or 10 million followers, they are my advocates. So I think that terminology of a basic influencer marketing which is influencers, I think we have hit it, but I think there's a new wave of rebranding needed for those right influencers in that sector. You hit the nail on the head. It's like your core people are your people that you're building relationship with over time. That's how I work with brands. That's how good marketing is. You don't just throw it out there and hope what sticks. It's building relationships over time. You have your little crew. You have your people that are really loving on your brand, and that love spreads to your audience. So I, I do, so I'm not allowed to agree, am I? I do. So, but just, just work with those, just work <laughs> with those 5%. Like as, if no one, if no other brand or agency didn't work with the 95% that wasn't up to scratch, we wouldn't have an issue. You yes, know, if we, but, but the reality is, is that influencers sometimes, you know, doing paid partnerships is their, their primary source of revenue. So they take deals when perhaps they're not as authentic as they could be. And with brands, you know, sometimes the, Digital marketeer just needs 10 people to post about a shampoo. And that's the reality of it. But I think, you know, we're, we're probably more sensitive to it because we are older. As, as you sort of mentioned, the generation coming through, they are so savvy. You know, they're not, they're very, very in tune to what is a paid partnership. So they're sort of, you know, they'll register it. They'll read the message. And if it's relevant, they'll act. And if not, they'll just kind of like swipe by as if it, it wasn't really relevant to them. Do you feel that there's more of the irrelevant of those posts? Or do you feel like most of them say, oh, it's an ad, but that's really interesting? Um, what, from the, from the point of view of the audience or point of, from the from point the of audience. view? Yeah. I, think, I think it's a reflection of how well everyone is doing their job. I think if, if individuals, creators, digital talents are doing their job well, if brand marketeers are doing their job well, we'll have less and less of that. But if people continue to do their job lazily, I think we'll have more and more than that. And I think it's, it's, it's going to peak and turf as it kind of goes. But I think if, if, if I was an individual who's making their money from paid partnerships, I would be really, really careful about who I partnered with. And likewise, if I was, a, if I was an individual building my brand, I'd be very careful about who I, where, where I put my product. But I think we're getting there. But I think in saying that, that, I think that's the reason why influencer marketing as it is, is at its peak because there is a lack of trust, because there are disingenuous posts and because there's nothing to monitor what is shitty versus what is organic and authentic. And as a brand, you know, they don't have enough time to be able to monitor that. 
So naturally, they're not going to be able to, they're not going to delve deeper to find those brand advocates and to find that 5%. They're going to go most likely with the majority. So unless internally there are people that can delve deep and actually monitor and quality control the type of influences that they are working with, a lot of the campaigns that we see are going to be full of the generic celebrity-esque, macro-influencer-esque type of influencer. I think if you're a brand and you're not attributing time and resource to vetting your partners, you're in trouble and you're not future-proofing yourself. Well, I think I agree. But I think that's most brands to date. Honestly, it's, um, I'm sure agencies can speak that the timelines that they give are ridiculous and I do the same because it's just internal validation of things and I think it's also... Um, unfortunately going backwards and forwards and say for example you think you leave enough time and then the influencer can't do it you have to find backup influence it's just a long process of having done many partnerships the most successful influencer partnerships that we've done have been really co-building stuff we did one with forever and dazed with like um, a lot of like Winnie Harlow and it was really beautiful we actually posted it on our Dior Instagram and that was a really successful partnership mm. I wouldn't call it, I would call it more like a branded partnership. It wasn't, it wasn't an influencer partnership. The, um, yeah. And I've done so many partners, so many activations and campaigns that then end up being like one little percent of like the whole results of the, the launch. You know, it's like, oh, the media was this, the cinema was this. And, you know, oh, influencers was good. Next. So it's unfortunate, but in all brands, big and small, it is quite quick. I hear that. And, and I'm not, you know, I'm not blind to the realities of it, but I think it need, does need to be acknowledged that if we are holding that up as an excuse, then we need to be really wary of that. Because all that's going to happen is, you know, 13 to 20 year olds are flocking to TikTok, like TikTok is just taking over. And they're there because they hate what's happening on Instagram. So if we keep doing things that don't make sense on a platform the audience will just move so it's it's in our industry collective responsibility to do better yeah and just to just to echo that point oh no you're off this panel i know um but just to reiterate it you know i know we as you know creators and brand advocates and all the other things that we want to call ourselves think that we hold all the power in this relationship and i do want to just drive home that your customer will tell you if your stuff is whack. Because she won't buy and she won't like and she won't engage. She will tell you if it doesn't resonate. So I think, as I said, focus on what your customer's actually doing with that content. I think it's so easy to get caught up in what we have to present back. And I get that. I've worked for the big brands. I've had to move them towards that direction. But the reality is, we need to sell product. And if your customer is not engaging, if they're not buying, if you're not seeing that market share, you're not seeing those sales, it's not working. It doesn't matter how amazing that influencer, how many followers they have. Ultimately, you have to go where the customer is. And you know, the reason why people are flocking is because they're basically voting with their feet. They're voting with where they're gonna, what they're gonna download, that they're bored of what we're putting out. So yes, there may be time pressures, but it's also for us to have that confidence to say, okay, that's great, but it's not gonna work. It's not gonna work. Okay, can I just widen the discussion now from marketing? Because we all work in marketing, but there might be people who don't work in marketing unbelievably. Um, I want to widen it a, a little bit to talk about like influences in culture as like cultural figures, as entertainers, as like you were saying, um, as like independent media platforms or people who produce content for entertainment, not for brand purposes. Um, do so it's kind of interesting to see recently that is actually maybe a uh, like challenge for you guys um, that 
influencers kind of just on Instagram may be over, but actually we're starting to see the um, the integration of that talent into like more mainstream media platforms. So like uh, X Factor bringing on a whole load of TikTok stars and actually they were the people the crowd were most excited to see and, it, and no one really cared about like Vinnie Jones, sorry Vinnie Jones. Um, but people were there to see like the digital talent um, and also like Joe, Joe Sug won Strictly. Did he win? I don't know. I don't know if he won. Regardless, he was really, really kind of um, popular on Strictly. So like is... Is, have we not hit peak influence? We've we just hit the beginning of of, um, of this kind of um, new wave of, of talent kind of coming into the mainstream, or do we think that them moving across is actually a signal of um, of them needing to to kind of leave behind this like dying or sinking ship of influence marketing? I don't know if anyone has any thoughts on influencers in culture. Um, I would say that a lot of influencers uh, or macro influencers are moving across because they don't want to have their livelihoods um, determined by apps. So I think they're smart in doing that. I think it's smart to go from being a YouTuber whereby your content isn't actually really owned by yourself to then becoming a media personality on TV where you have the freedom to jump from channel to channel. And I wouldn't say, you know, it's... I, I, I would personally say it's a negative on influencer marketing. I, I think people are realising that having a purpose to their careers and to their jobs is way more important than just being an influencer with a massive following on Instagram. And that's why they're moving across and that's why they're creating their own brand because they know that there is more of a... For them to just rely on being popular on an app that people could m migrate off tomorrow isn't smart or effective in terms of long term. Oh, can I challenge the point that moving from YouTube to a TV channel or show has more longevity or more flexibility? It absolutely doesn't. Like what, what YouTube has done, it's democratised content creation. It's given anyone with the ambition and the opportunity to create shows. And, you know, you can, tr you can treat it like... The 95% and you can you know put up a couple of videos with not that much production behind it and just kind of throw away with no strategy behind it or you can treat it like Kairi TV treats it and we shoot on 50 grand cameras the same 50 grand cameras as X Factor does we release our shows every week at the same time week on week so we treat YouTube like TV because YouTube is where the audiences are living like the reason that you know we have the reason that really, really clever personalities will move their brands to different platforms, like Will Smith will have a popping Instagram and then he decides to go on YouTube and within a year he's got millions of subscribers, is because the power is with the individual. People trust people and that's age old. And I think the reason that TV is stagnating and literally plummeting, like does anyone watch linear TV anymore at all, ever? Not really. Yeah, that's great. But Kyra is a production house. It's not individual people. Like, they're, they're, no shade, but your personalities have been put together. Um, they're not the average person who's decided to start a YouTube channel and detail their life or document their content in a way for them to grow. So for me, I get that you're using, you know, the, the Kyra production as an example, but um, there's there's limited freedom on YouTube. Yes, you can create as much content as you want, but then when they decide to demonetize you, what next? They're still they can still t um, you know um, if you say something that is against YouTube policy, they will you know shut down your your channel in a heartbeat. So you know 
I, I still feel as if, you know, there's a limit to how creative or how much freedom of speech you will have on these platforms because ultimately you do not, you do not own that content. Unless you have your own blog, unless it's mercedesbenson.com and you're posting it through WordPress or whatever it is, then I don't believe that you own your content, whether you're on YouTube or Instagram, it can immediately be taken down. And um, yeah, going also to the point of like, let's say, um, someone going on X Factor or um, these kind of shows. I think when you ask those people, like myself, if someone calls me an influencer, I would be quite upset today. I would say, no, I'm a businessman. So I think maybe if you ask Zo Joe Sugg, he might say, oh, I'm not an influencer. I'm um, I'm not oh, one of these, the V5. Is that the TikTok people? Yeah, yeah. So if people don't know, there's a X Factor put together an influencer band for um for, yeah, we, and they're all there's like five yeah, of them, and five. they've got. I think they would now range. redefine themselves if it goes well as not five influencers, but a musician band, right? So I think it's really um, our whole peak influencer, if I may say so, Mercedes, is really about the current terminology of what an influencer is. On average, you know, it's such a vague term, but for me, when someone says influencer, you don't think um, uh, X Factor style. You know, you think like you, you would think a social media person with following on a platform like Instagram. That's just the rough, you know. But then these content, real, like, you know, these artists, I would say like Kanye West is not an influencer. He is a rapper slash, you know, streetwear designer. Um, so I think that's why we've hit peak influencer, but we're evolving to new terminology. So influencers are sort of like the cocoon into new potential big beginnings for those social media stars. But, but that issue is just in the terminology. It's not in the function. But what is the function? That's my... The thing. function is everything we've been discussing. Uh, and yeah, I definitely so, so it's, agree. So it's the same thing. Yeah, yeah, it's yeah. the same oh, thing. Hold on, yeah. crowd. Like, You're going to get your turn. <laughs> <laughs> like, I, I just... I, I know, like, I know why we really want to stop using the term influencer. It's really terrible. That's and I'm thing, with yeah. you. I'm with you. But we're all talking about the same thing. Yeah, yeah. It's just to define. Like, if you say one influencer is what you're defining... I'm like for you. If it's like what I'm defining, I'm for me. So. Okay, so if we if we just if we don't use the term influencer and we just call this term of marketing individuals with the ability to sway the opinions and behaviors of others, have we reached the peak of that sector in digital? Uh, no, but we have cool. hit the peak of influencer. <laughs> Can I? Just you can't change the title <laughs> of the debate. <laughs> While you're on the debate, but, but, like, but this is a semantic issue. Yeah, it's, it's, not a, like, it's a semantic issue. Yeah, we're not we're not doing the semantic. That's thing. the thing. Come on. But to your point as well, as someone who regularly gets called by like producers and traditional media to get influencers on the covers, it's a two way relationship. Like we need to like not pretend that the influencer needs Vogue. Like they they don't. This is the reality. Like, so do you think Vogue, just, Vogue needs the influencer? This no, thing? no, no. It's a two way relationship. Is what I'm saying. There's no um, party that need, it, everyone understands the exchange that is happening. Right. When someone calls me and says, "Can you introduce me to that influencer?" or you know, "We'd love." Do you think they would do whatever rally, reality show is coming on? They know it's because they're coming with a ready made audience. And also that influencer knows I'm going to attract a new audience. So there's nothing different. Going back to semantics, this is just old school PR with younger, cuter, tighter girls. That's literally all it is. It's, it's an exchange of experience and it's an exchange of audience. That's literally all it is. So it's that thing of um, it doesn't mean that, okay, well, because they're moving on to TV shows that 
influencer marketing is dying. It just means that they've wised up that I need to tap into other audiences. I think that's a really important point on cross-pollinating audiences, which is exactly what you're talking about. I think that is, that's really the key here. Um, I was doing a little bit of reading on the KSI Logan Paul um, fight yesterday over the weekend, whenever it was. Um, and there was no so stat. Can we do a bit of like pricey because people here might, may not be so in tune to um, influence a wrestling match. So KSI is, is yeah. <laughs> I was tuned in, but other people may not have been. Um, KSI is like a British gamer YouTuber, and Logan Paul did a really silly thing where he he was like a really big um, creator on Vine. Then he moved to YouTube. They both have like twenty million subscribers. They did a fight in 2018 um, and those are the only stats I can get like a boxing match. like a boxing yeah. match yeah they were like trying to find who's the king of social media or something um, but over over like a few days that fight last year this fight was bigger so the live audience for this fight was way bigger but we don't have any stats yet because it was like yesterday um, last year's fight grossed 25.8 million viewers and just as a comparative, the last Anthony Joshua fight got 13 million viewers. It's like, that's unbelievable. These are, they're not boxers, they're YouTubers. But because what they wanted to do is they wanted to create a boxing match. You know, boxing's obviously thrilled because they've got all these, this young new audience that's never engaged with boxing before. They had, they had like real fighters doing the warm up to the real fight, which was in Vegas. Like, it's mental. So, you know, when, when actually we look a little bit broader and we have like these YouTube stars, influencers, whatever you want to call them, that build their own, built their own media channels, you know, monetized it and then moved it on to more like traditional industries, like for example, sports and boxing, you know, the sport has benefited because there's a new audience that's engaged with it. YouTubers have benefited because they're making shit loads of money, sort of winning all around. And we're just at the beginning of that. Yeah, yeah, I agree. That I would highly recommend everyone go and actually look up this like ongoing saga. It's really interesting um, between yeah between the two of them because it's kind of um, been interpreted as like a fight for ratings because obviously the joint power of two influencers taking each other on has generated like so so much money for for both of them. Um, we have time for like one more um, talking point before we open it up to this extremely rowdy crowd. Um, <laughs> so I just wanted to talk about um, the F word fire festival. I'm sorry, someone had to say it um, and like ap uh, like huge public appetite for influencer downfall, Schadenfreude when things go wrong. Um, so recently, obviously, Fire Festival was ages ago now, but like this has been the summer of Caroline Calloway. Um, there's very recently been some some uh, drama in the mummy blogger sphere, um, which you can go away and Google afterwards. But um, I'm just wondering whether this huge public appetite for influencer downfall is um, kind of symbolic of. Um, influencers having hit their peak and people just desperate to kind of um, find anything that is that drags them back down or whether the fact that the public is so engaged with um, with influencer drama and influencer scandals I mean there are whole like tea channels on YouTube that purely exist just to document influencer drama um, is actually just proof of their like enduring cultural power and the fact that we're kind of so obsessed with um, with with um, watching all their like intimate uh, drama and, and daily goings on I don't know if anyone has any thoughts about whether influencer drama is I just want to say something about this very thing yeah. I'm not going to mention names have you have you been involved in an influencer I have not scandal? been in, I have not been involved recently in an influencer scandal but um or ever before you look it up um but here's the here's the thing here's the truth right two things first of all we live in a world right now of micro emotions do you know what I mean by that 
Yeah, so today I can be shocked and appalled about something and go on a rant. And tomorrow I can show you me chilling on the beach in Jamaica. It makes no difference. You wouldn't have made any, it doesn't make any difference. So what we see as a scandal, like back in the day, a scandal would get someone to lose their football club or, you know, get dropped by a major company. And then, yeah, this still happens. But what we see as a scandal now in this environment of content is yesterday's news, not even yesterday's, it's the last hour's news. So like when we think about young people, and I'm just going to refer to beauty because that's my world, those beauty beefs, it's entertainment. Yeah. They're not... The they're dramageddon, not, that's yeah, a good thing it's, to Google. Yeah, it's, it's jokes. It's funny. It's funny to watch Jeffree Star and Kat Von D falling out. It's funny. No one is thinking this is a scandal. No one thinks that. So I think it's that thing where... Now we've got a platform, we can all have a say on the way someone is behaving because it's so easy to throw away, but we shouldn't maybe attach as much um, energy to it as we think. And I'm not saying people should just behave in any which way they want. I think if you're going to work with an influencer, you want them to do the best that they can to represent your brand. But going back to what your customer's thinking, she's literally hitting like, she's hitting sad face, she's hitting that, and then she moves on. It's, it's really not as... Um, you know, it, it doesn't damage in the way that we like to think it's damaging that influencer. Yeah, and to the point about Logan Paul, who um, filmed dead bodies in a in a park in um, Japan, which caused a massive issue for him. Um, he he was one of the top followed. Uh, he actually hasn't. He like lost loads of followers afterwards. I think his YouTube actually got shut down. Yeah. Rightfully, yeah. it was a but really silly thing to do. But then he's back up now, and he's making money. And so like that that issue, that whole horrendous, awful situation, actually didn't bring about his downfall um, or like um, necessarily impact him other than of course emotionally um, but like financially not particularly it's scary it is scary I do think it's scary for that reason you know that people can do whatever and and get away with it but we almost follow the people that are doing the crazy things because it's entertainment so we're we're all feeding into it in one way do you guys have any thought about yeah. Influencer drama, scandals, scams, fire festival. I think, like from a fire festival point of view, I think that the thing that exposed for me was um, every influencer has definitely a price tag, and I felt like um, that exposed like uh, I think for established reputation like Coachella and things that you know would succeed, um, you can understand that it's like a pretty normal thing for an influencer to be involved with, and they have you know credibility in this. Fire festival was that example of there is no kind of financial like I don't I don't think the influencers ask for much like details on like the PL of is it really gonna go live, what's happening. All they probably saw was, okay, I don't really know this company, I don't know Five Festival, but okay, you're gonna pay me hundred K plus, great, I'll do it. And I think that kind of exposed that everyone could be bought in a way. So from that of again, it's all what you define. This I think you guys have a really hard job to decide because I feel like it's the definition of your own way of influence but to me if an influence was defined as credibility and authenticity then it's quite hard to say that we haven't well, I don't know this is a very weird but haven't hit peak or yeah it's very hard to say like you know that influences are trustable anymore trustworthy. do you think that was the fault of the influencers like have you watched the fire have you guys watched the fire yeah. festival document was that really the fault of the influencer or just the dodgy guy that 50 was just... 50 I would, I would say i mean i personally would not if i didn't do my homework and didn't know i would i or would have a way to like you know the way you message it like guys this is meant to be the most exciting event yeah 
I've never heard of this company, but it should be good. Join me. Great. But if you're like, this is going to be the best event of your life, buy tickets, and then boom, they don't even come. Like, that's, to me, that's a problem. But I think that was just a choice. Going back to our initial point of like the choice, that 5%, 95%, it's just unfortunate that Fire Festival was probably not the best choice of credible influencers who exposed that kind of nasty side of the influencers being money-driven. And I just also think um, it's also quite scary to see how much power um, and how much of a pedestal we're putting normal people on just because they're good at recommending certain beauty products over the other, that they can now have massive arguments or they can start slandering other people, um, creating false accounts. Like, it's ridiculous. These are just normal people. And I feel like we're doing ourselves a disservice by creating such a massive gap between what we think they're on just because they have a certain following over what they actually are. Like, they are just humans. They're like your brothers, your sisters, your cousins. There's nothing different to them than the average person. But we are giving them that power, and that's what I don't think we should be doing unless they've earned it. Cool. Um, okay, so we're going to open up to the audience now. If any of you guys have any kind of challenges, any comments you want to make, actually try and please make it a question because that's always really annoying when people do that. Um, can you stick your hands up and then... Does someone have a microphone? Someone has a microphone. Okay, so before your question, can you say your name so we know who you are and whether you, are for, whether you think we've hit peak influencer or not? Yes, down the front. Hi, I'm Holly. Um, I was with the motion that we have hit peak influencer. Um, I, I think you've presented a really strong argument, but in light of what you were saying about the mummy um, blog blogger that's Which gone... deliberately not a lot because I'm quite scared. <laughs> basically, she was accused of online trolling. She set up a fake account on this Tattle site. Um, and the damage to the brands that she works with, obviously I'm sure a lot of them will drop her. Do you think there'll be a mo move towards people using AI influencers to protect themselves from, you know, backstories coming out. Like, we've worked with Disney before, you have to really vet the character, the person that you're putting forward, and just what your views are on AI influencers. Because to me, I follow people, they look like me, and they've got the same shape as me, so I might buy their dress. I'm never going to buy anything that a robot puts forward. Yeah, I think a lot of people will probably share that sentiment. I think AI is, is really fascinating from the point of view of, of both creators and, you know, whether they're all going to take our jobs one day. But, you know, I think what, what builds that human-to-human -human connection is, you know, that empathy and that creativity. And, you know, you would you buy a cream from a robot? I don't know. I think... I think yeah, no, to and to she's definitely... You're not wearing odd boots, are you? So there you go. You know, eff effective, definitely. Um, I'd be I'd be weary about moving to backing AI influencers because humans are flawed and they might do something that doesn't sit well either sort of ethically or from the point of view of a contract. Um, I think they might grow to sit alongside human influences, but I think you just kind of have to be prepared when you work with any creator that they might do something really silly and have like an ethics clause in the contract that makes you able to pull out. But aside from that, I think you just kind of have to roll with the punches a I little mean, bit. I actually have um, hired like Nunuri. I don't know if you know Nunuri. So um, I did a paid stuff with her at Dior. Um, and... Uh, 
two things. One is I know the creator behind Inori. So that to me is the influencer behind the, the, the robot. So I think there is someone, I'm not going to say the name, but I know who Nunuri really is. And when I see Nunuri, I see the person. So I think there is that sense. But I also feel um, we got a lot of, obviously, backlash um, from using Nunuri because it was a, we tried to make it like a fun way of showcasing how to use skincare. But um, a lot of people were obviously not comfortable with it, as, as expected. But a lot of people wrote on our Instagram, like, oh, yeah, there's nothing different between this and Gigi Hadid. It's all fake. It's all the same. It's all photoshopped and all. So I was like, oh, that's something interesting, like reverse psychology of like maybe a virtual influencer is just as close to a um, the real, what they would say is like a real influencer. So um, I don't think, I think there is not necessarily a safety net with virtual influencers. I would classify them in a similar light, just in a different pool, but it is still an influencer and they can still make mistakes. Just to add as well, um, there's another... Um AI influencer called Makila, who's got like over 1.3 million followers. The digital fairy worked with little Makila. I've just got to get that in there. Um, <laughs> so there's definitely she's crazy. an appetite. Look her up. It's at, at little Makila. At little Makila. So there's definitely an appetite for it. So yeah, just to echo his point. But I think that makes the point about what the role of the influencer is, and that is reach. Ultimately, ultimately, that is their role. Because if you're going to give an AI something, you have created it as the brand. So it's the brand's job to influence. And I, I really can't stress it enough for anyone who is working in marketing, isn't working in marketing. Always know that ultimately it's your job to influence. It's not someone else's um, job to influence whether someone's going to buy. Do you see what I mean? I think that's what it comes down to. Yes, it's a collaboration with the influencer. But if we're moving towards AI, I personally can't imagine being influenced by that. But I can see why people are. Also, we really have to move away from the authenticity point if we're giving robots skincare, you know? <laughs> Just it's leave fine. it alone. You know? <laughs> Perfect. Okay, does anyone else have any... Oh, yeah, there's someone back there I can see with the hand up. Uh, just maybe, yeah, shout. Hi there. Oh, <laughs> hi. Um, Leila, thanks, guys. I think um, you've all raised really interesting points. I'm for influencers, but I have questions for both sides, if you don't mind. Um, I work in marketing, so for Akesh, you talked about measuring clicks, and we get that from clients all the time, you know, but what's the impact? What's the impact? And, you know, as you were saying, um, on the influencer side, it's about raising awareness. Um, so my question for you guys is talking about, you know, getting over dramas and people finding it entertainment. I still follow influencers that have kind of disappointed me and, and the reason why I followed them for kind of shits and giggles and just to see what they're up to. But I don't find them influential anymore. Now I just follow them um, out of interest. And we've also noticed when kind of doing audits for brands that people get a lot of hate followers just because they want to. And I also used to work for a charity. So we used to have loads of hate followers, people who just wanted to troll us. So I kind of just want to know from your point of view, if you're saying raising awareness, how do we ensure that, you know, the followers are following us for the right reason? And then to you, Akesh, on clicks, um, we know that people scroll through Instagram, myself included, and you don't just kind of click on an advert and buy straight away, especially if you're buying Dior products. Those are very expensive. You might 
look at it five times and then maybe if you're lucky six months later you might buy and you can't attribute sales to that one influencer's post. So I wanted to know if you've seen a raise in sales um, correlated for investment in influencer marketing that doesn't necessarily relate to people clicking on the exact advert and purchasing straight away. So it's kind of a question to both sides really. Thanks. Should I start? Who wants to take it first? Yeah, go ahead. Yeah, so from the the clicks point, I 100% agree. I also think it depends on your type of business. If you're a a pure player, if you have loads of touch points, like if you're in every single boot or if you're only online, that more makes a difference. And if it's a new product or an existing product. So I wouldn't say like clicks is the, the best metric to obviously benchmark against influencers. I do think it's one of the best metrics currently just to benchmark against kind of uh, like internal benchmarking and kind of okay this one gave me x minor clicks so i can justify to say they probably got x amount of reach on their stories as opposed to x amount um i would say like it's very hard today to find influence marketing in general is very a gray mark it's a gray area and i think um I'm just yearning for those, the most business-oriented metrics to justify those spends that I've been doing, but more importantly, increasingly forced to do. Um, so that's why clicks has been a hot topic for me. Um, uh, I think, obviously, there are ways you can do, for example, in-store events with influencers. You can do, like, um, go to store, and it depends on your business. But I do feel um, I've seen the best correlation to sales and influencers has been from my stories and from my clicks on Instagram or from YouTube clicks. Um, uh, YouTube is the most powerful one by far in terms of getting the most um, clicks. Um, but uh, I, I would, yeah, I would say, unfortunately... Sales and influencers um, isn't the best kind of correlation point, but it doesn't need to be because I'm not saying influencers are sales are salesmen. You know, like they're not meant to necessarily sell, but they're not necessarily meant to be that expensive. So therefore, it's hard for me to justify when I'm paying ten thousand euros to then say, oh, I'm just getting that reach because then I might go back to my ads, my online ads, because um, I've seen from recruitment of followers to sales, shop now ads have been 10 times more effective than any influencer. Um, I think today, even me speaking, all the celebrities have tagged me in my personal account, not to name names, but some of the biggest, I get like 10 followers. And I'm like, oh, I got 10 followers from this person with the 20 million followers when they tagged me. So it's just defining what you're happy with as a brand. If you're a brand or marketer that really wants a sense of an ROI or you know, your boss is saying to you, look, what am I getting for putting 100K on influencer marketing? then you've got to kind of put what I've been putting on my head and that kind of mentality. If you're kind of chilled and be like, it's just awareness, then influencers is great. Um, I would argue, having been in your situation, I would argue that there is, a, there is a slightly different view on this as well. I think we have to remember, Tim Sadie's points that we're dealing with humans, yeah? I know there's some AI, but we're dealing with humans. And here's the thing, if... If nobody in the world dislikes you, then you're probably really boring. This, this is the truth of it. You know, we can't expect every single person to not have, hey, that's all, historically, that's always been the case. You know, I've done celebrity junkets back in the day where people would queue for four hours just to hurl an insult at the celebrity. That hasn't, that, it wasn't me. <laughs> But it has. It, it all no, comes it, out. This is the scandal. No, this you were is the scandal. Um, no, but you know, this is this isn't anything new. And I think we have to be asking the right questions about who it is you're working with. And I think this is the point that everyone is is making here. You know, even though you don't see it as necessarily a sales metric, I've worked with a number of brands who have gone from being 
number three market share to number one in market share with no other spend apart from influencer spend. So there is definitely a direct correlation between the work that you're doing with the right influencers and sales. There, there is no doubt in my mind, you know, if I think about NYX Cosmetics, the smallest, tiniest brand in L'Oreal, bearing in mind L'Oreal spends a lot of money on ads, came in and completely disrupted the market with zero spend on anything apart. In fact, we didn't even spend on influencers because back then they weren't called that. You know, we just used to give them product. So I think there is, there, is a, there is a direct link. And to your point, you know, you may not see it from that one ad, that one post, but unfortunately, we've seen it with the elections. All people need to do is see something a lot for them to trust it or believe that it's more credible. That is just human nature, human psychology. The more we see something, the more it becomes familiar to us, the more we trust it. That's not ever going to change. And I just, I, I think like from a sales point of view, I 100% agree. I think um, traditionally influencer marketing, when you increase your investment, you're going to see a sales return. Um, I've shifted a lot of my budget to community. So that's why I think the future is really community. Um, really like, uh, uh, I know you can redefine them as nano influencers, but it's like really like that 1,000, 2,000, like real people. Um, it's proven in the, sick, the clicks and sales with the budget in terms of like when you kind of look at the budget share of influencers and budget share of community, you have to have a lot of community, but the sales and the clicks today are 10 times better than influencers. Um, but it takes, a, it takes a force, you need a great agency and you need a, you know, a lot of time and energy to do community at scale. But that's how Fenty, that's how Glossier, that's how they all um, grew. And I think uh, I've been doing that um, recently at your, and I'm going to continue to consult for LVMH on this. Um, my focus is all now on community and not on influencers. So that's why I really believe like we're peak influencer, but we're hot on community right now. Cool. Just we highlighting that they're still the same thing, though. No, but, but <laughs> I, 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 no, but I would like say, would you all thing. in the room call yourself influencers, or, or okay, you wouldn't call yourself community, but like, would you call yourself influencers? Like, whatever. But you would be the ones I would be targeting. <laughs> Do you know what? You can take this outside. <laughs> it's really, okay. yeah, someone very niche, small. It's an important point. It's an important point. It is, it is. Um, we've probably got time for one more question, and then we will do a vote. There's someone over there with a question. Hi. Um, I work in fashion, and recently, I guess over the last year or two, I've noticed there's been a lot of... Um, models who are influencers slash Instagram models, whatever you call it. Um, and I just wondered if you all have an opinion on um, the change in kind of, I guess, these influencers being employed by big fashion companies versus a traditional model that would, would have come from an agency um, and just the impact they have without really having anything else behind them you know, without ha having any other kind of talent, I, I guess I find uh, influencers problematic when they don't really have anything to say other than to sell you a cream. Um, and I wondered if you, with the brands that you work with, if you've kind of, uh, you know, how much importance you put on the person being, I guess we've spoken about being authentic, um, 
Yeah, this is interesting. So would you say that, pr that when, when you were booking models, those models had something to stand for? Because like well, the way that the narrative goes working at an agency that does cast influencers for, um, for campaigns is that traditionally models who are booked on a face alone and potentially some wafting around in front of a video camera um, <laughs> didn't have something to say. And now that we use influencers, it's like, okay, but you, I can understand your personality. I can get under the skin of like who you are and, and, um, so some and what of the you do commercial brands that I work for employ models who look the same they all look the same and I guess you could argue traditionally some other model you know traditional models look the same but there was something that there was there was more to communicate because they kind of honed their craft they had learned how to communicate for in front of a camera learn how to you know show their personality whereas I think there's kind of an increasing Instagram face model and body um that kind of doesn't leave um, much kind of diversity. Um, I think on the one hand, you definitely do have like the Instagram body, Instagram face, kind of everyone's got the same eyebrows, all of that sort of thing, like a real hegemony in like what like the Instagram face looks like in 2019. But I think at the same time, because it is a platform that's used by real people, however legitimate those real people are in their sort of passions and creativities, I think what it does what it does do is it shows people who really look different or people who are real, who have, you know, conditions and don't look perfect and have different types of, you know, skin, hair, body shapes. And I think, you know, we we owe a lot of the sort of diversity and kind of wider representation of people to social media. And I think because, you know, the reason that brands like Glossier and Fenty are so successful is because particularly Glossier, they do put real people in their campaigns. They are much more vocal about not, you know, using the kind of traditionally beautiful, you know, whatever that means, sort of face. So I think in the sense that it does give you like sort of, you know, everyone sort of looks like a watered down Kim Kardashian, yes. But I think on the other side, you have lots and lots of very, very, very different people as well. And I think that's a huge benefit to the platform. Thoughts? Do you have any opinions? No opinions. Yeah, I agree. I think yeah. Um, yeah. I think uh, it's really that redefining of, I think it's Instagram has helped um, open up what the terminology of model is. Um, but yeah, I think I think it still goes away. Well, I wouldn't say those people would define themselves as influencers. I think they would define themselves as like spokespeople or it's it's that we go backwards and forwards. It's just this definition of what is influencers. Like even I don't understand. Um, so I would say yeah. Like I, I just think today no one really would want to be called influencer. Like a model, a new model like Winnie, she wouldn't be want to called an influencer. She would be want to be called a, a model. Like a, but she might have been born from the social media terminology of an influencer, but she's evolved into an actual like role, a job. I don't know. I can't explain it. It's a very hard thing to define. Yeah, I think it's just, yeah. I think influencer puts a, a bucket, it puts a blanket approach on what people are, and I think people want to be more unique than that. So I think that's why the notion of influencer is so strong and alive and will continue. I just think that word has got to go. to go. Okay. But don't you think they want to have like a niche point of view and therefore they could be redefined as a different, like I'm a, like 
I don't know. Would anyone? Would everyone be happy to say, "Hi, I'm an influencer"? Some people will. Yeah, that's the thing. Yeah, yeah for Maybe the one of five kids yeah. who I, do I, want to be. But I don't think. I feel like there's a lack of understanding of what it actually is. I don't think people. If I said I'm an influencer, then I need to elaborate. Doing what? And I think when you can elaborate and further, you know say I'm an influencer because I do da, da 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 then we can really get to the crux of who you actually are and what you're representing and it would be nicer if we kind of got to that point and not just said I'm an influencer or put public public figure on my Instagram bio whatever that is everyone is a public figure now sorry it's making <laughs> me laugh everyone's platform. a public figure no I, I do I do hear that and I, but I think it's important to just not have like you know that one single narrative you know, I'm a brand consultant between the hours of 11 and 4. Three days a week. Yep. But it's... <laughs> so that's really, Great. But do you, you know what I mean? It doesn't mean that that's all you do. It's, it, no, I'm being mean. It's, you're, it's only 11 till 4 because you're doing all these other things, whereas I'd just be going home. <laughs> Some, sometimes I'm just watching Netflix. But it's... But, you know, what I'm trying to say is, is that we, you can actually just be that it's enough. What, what, you know, I think we need to stop thinking that we have to have all these million layers. Like, of course, that's that person's responsibility to do good things and put good into the world. Mm. But it's not, um, you know, it, it's, I don't like the way that we're downplaying what people do. And that is actually, they are connecting with a lot of people. You know, they're people that do look up to them because of what they've achieved, because they've come from where they've come from. But I think the danger is that it's such a flat, terminology for who they are when young children are looking at that they're not able to delve deeper to see how multi-layered that person is so then when you do have six-year-olds saying I want to be an influencer it's just kind of like okay but what then and that's why I think that the danger and the perception of it is quite scary okay we're gonna have to end on that point so we are now going to vote again so um, if you believe we have hit peak influencer, put your hand up now. And hold it up there, hold it up there, because they're going to need to count. <laughs> this is why we have someone voting. Yeah, we're, see- we're seeing if you guys have changed people's minds or not. Okay, is that, is that good? Okay, Cool. And then um, if you think we haven't hit Peak Influencer, put your hand up. Ooh. Ooh, okay. Um, Emily's now going to really kindly count the votes and you're going to send me a really clear message, aren't you, Emily, as to whether it's one or not. So in the meantime, I'm going to do some Influencer trivia. Um, What is... Okay, no, no, no. Which Love Islander has the most fake followers? Double points if you know what percentage. Uh, of, I last season, last season. Come on. This isn't... I don't watch Love Island. <laughs> um, okay, no I'm going to tell you. No one linear TV. Mo- no. Moira. <laughs> it's not Moira. It's... Um, how, do you, how, do you say, how do you say her name? Moira. Moira. Sorry. I thought it was Moira. Oh, God. I don't watch it either. Amber. With 65% fake followers. I know. I know. I know. Um, Did, yeah, didn't she win? What is the highest? Uh, what? Yeah. What is the highest recorded value of a paid post on an Instagram? Seven hundred fifty thousand. Is that Kim? Yeah, an extra point if you know who. It's definitely Kim Kardashian. It. I think it was. It's Kylie. Oh. It's Kylie. It's Kylie. And 
1.2 million dollars. Yeah. Great. Yeah. But they're already rich. And then one more. <laughs> I know. Um, and then one more is going to be how many influencers are there on Instagram? Uh, Ooh, so this is yeah. so that the definition of influencer by which we're going is above fifteen thousand followers and not an aggregator account, so not a meme account, like a person posting. It was du- Instagram ransom 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 figures. No. 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 Probably like four hundred thousand. Five hundred thousand. Just over five hundred thousand. Of influencers, and only one percent of influencers have more than a million followers. So yeah, um, Emily, are you still going? I, that was I really, think, that I was really good that. trivia. Are you done? Okay, cool. Can you um, WhatsApp me the? I know we're digi, we're digi fairies. We're digi fairies. Does this house believe we've hit peak influencer? No, this house does not believe we've hit peak influencer thank you so much guys can you give the panelists a massive massive round of applause thank you so much and also thank you to digi fairy for um concepting this wonderful event and thank you again to shoreditch house um for hosting and sponsoring us um i should also say on the way out there are these posters where you can go and vote on other funny things so go and do that um on the way out and also have a drink stick around uh thank you guys so much Bye. Hope you enjoyed our second Digi debate. To learn more about influencers, read our Influencers 2025 trend report, which can be found on our social channels at the Digi Fairy on Instagram or on our website www.thedigitalfairy.co.uk. If you enjoyed this podcast, you can listen to our previous debate on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, SoundCloud, or YouTube. Thank you.